All right. Hey, guys. Uh, just a little bit of a boost here for the John Jay College Master's Program. Um, over at John Jay, there is a lot of austerity going on, but they have like this very radical program all about class politics where you get to read lots of marks. Um, the program, they're, they're beefing with the, minist- the administration because it's austerity time. The program is new, only three years old, so they're looking to hustle up students, and it's already making waves. It's very intellectual, it's rigorous, but not academically pretentious or careerist. There's no hot takes, there's no moralizing. Um, it's very historically grounded. Um, very tight-knit scene, uh, lots of solidarity between students and faculty. Uh, by the way, costs a quarter of the same sort of master's at the new school or NYU. Uh, it's also one of the most diverse economics master's program in the country. Uh, so far, 67% of students have been black and Latino, 50% have been women, and you just get to read marks. You don't need to take your GREs. It's uh, mellow on math. Again, mostly very historically fo- focused. Um, start your application by June 15th. You know what? Uh, the economy's going to collapse. Why not just get a master's? Fuck it. And again, there aren't a lot of university programs in the world where you can study marks anymore. So consider it. Look into it. Um, I will... But we'll make sure to put up a link um, where you can look at uh, and learn more about the program. Um, you know, fuck else you got to do. Read, read marks for a few years. Uh, all right. Thanks. Uh, greetings, friends. It's your Chapo for now. Um, it's me, Will. I'm back. Uh, apologies for my absence on uh, the earlier episode this week, but uh, I took some time off to ghostwrite um, Ice Cube's Twitter account. <laughs> that's what uh, that's what Felix is currently doing right now. So for today, it's just me, Matt, and Amber for you. But you know, we're we've got we got there's some some good tweets coming soon. But um, yeah, side of that little side project. Um, we put together an episode for you today that um, I think um, sort of dovetails nicely with, once again, our, our Vincent Bevins interview, um, the Olaf Palm assassination, and, you know, sort of what he was talking about in the, of the sort of 1980s, 70s, 80s, this whole kind of Cold War uh, sort of anti-communist spider web of um, intelligence agencies, terrorist groups, assassinations, a kind of like a global Operation Condor. Yeah. That For this case, we're bringing you a little bit of lost history regarding... Uh, that, Hollywood, Jack Abramoff, Dolph Lundgren, and the film Red Scorpion. Yes. A, a very little scene action movie uh, released in 1998. Directed, 1988. Directed by Joseph Zito, responsible for such other classics as Chuck Norris's Mission in Action and Chuck Norris's Invasion USA. But um, we're, we want to talk about this movie because, you know, the, the, the hot story this week, well, it was a, a hot story this week that Sweden was going to, uh, after 34 years, um, I guess, open up the books on the, the, what they, their final judgment on the assassination of their former prime minister, Olaf Plem. Palm. Palm. Sorry. sorry. Like a hand. Olaf Palma. Olaf he was Palm. a ship poster and we loved him. <laughs> Olaf Palm. Yes. Um, yeah. So, like, before we get into the connection between... Uh, disgraced lobbyist Jack Abramoff and the Dolph Lundgren action film that he produced called Red Scorpion. Um, and it's a sort of shady connections to, like I said, this whole kind of uh, global kind of, I don't know, 
anti-communist uh, spider web, uh, like, a, like a global Operation Condor. Uh, what, Matt, why don't you take us through the connections to that and the assassination of Sweden's former prime minister, Olaf Palm? Okay, so first of all, uh, I don't know if any of this is true, but it's all useful to think about just and can help you get us there i guess i'd say so what happened so olaf palm was a social democrat a long time uh prime minister of sweden who uh was in the 80s one of the, on the forefront of the apartheid uh, divestment and sanctioning movement trying to organize support among western governments to isolate economically the apartheid south african government as part of a broader attempt that he was uh paramount in to create the, a sort of a a a a socialism with a human face that that would that would directly uh, challenge the the most awful uh, and inhumane elements of like the global capitalist order uh which in africa was uh, exemplified by the apartheid South African government, which was very closely allied with the Reagan administration uh, and the state of Israel and South African junta governments uh, that were carrying out Condor at the same time. Uh, and in he was assassinated uh, after leaving a movie theater, uh, walking down the streets of uh, Stockholm uh, in 1986, shot uh, in the back. No one was ever, con- uh, one man was convicted. The conviction was later overturned. Uh, there was a bunch of investigations, and eventually they just threw their hands up, and it kind of just became one of those weird things, you know. The sitting prime minister of a country murdered in in on the biggest on one of the busiest streets in Stockholm, and nobody knowing who did it for thirty five years. Also, uh, to point out that he was in the Swedish Social Democratic Party. Just a side note: Social Democrat in Sweden doesn't mean the same thing it does here he was a left-wing anti-imperialist politician yeah no he was he was a guy who uh he had been a, a, also a, a big and vietnam war opponent uh and tried to use sweden's position diplomatically to press the united states to, uh, supported like third world development rather than like third world investment exactly like very yeah. yeah no good on the thing yeah uh and there's been a ton of suspicions over the years of who who did it uh, a lot of people say maybe the CIA or the South Africans. Turkey has always claimed it was uh, the PKK, but they think that they've done they did everything. Uh, but the one of the big uh, suspects was this guy named uh, Stig Engstrom, who was a dude who worked at an insurance company near the place where the killing happened. Uh, didn't have a, a, a very good alibi. Lied about where he was that night. A number of witnesses identified him as the person who did it. But he was never convicted, and in 2000 he committed suicide. <clears throat> so they say. Yeah, uh, and the Swedish uh, prosecutor came out and had their big press conference to say, "We're now willing to say he was the one. This guy did it." And now wiped their hands. Now, why he did it is not a thing that they talk about, uh, and uh, that has been a big question mark. And there is now, now that he has been fingered by the the, the state, there is now a. Uh, new investigation of of him and his ties, and there are claims that he was connected to the Swedish branch of the Gladio Stay Behind Network uh, of of NATO coordinated groups, mostly radically right wing in Europe uh, during the Cold War. Now, uh, also, like I mean, the, the first time I'd heard about this is that there were um, intimations that the famous Swedish author Stieg Larsson the author of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series, was he was a journalist before he was a novelist. And 
at the time of his unexpected death, was apparently working on an expose that would tie the assassination of Olaf Palm to far right groups in Sweden and then like who are also connected to uh, South African, the South African apartheid intelligence uh, right. like, apparatus. Boss. Is yeah, called. boss. And um, it just, yeah, like, like sort of like keep up like what Vincent Bevins was talking to us about. It was like the whole Cold War was sort of fought on this myth of like monolithic global communism, like a, a global communist movement, which is anything but yeah. um, based on the historical record. But anti-communism itself was very much a monolithic, like directed where all these different strands and sort of far-right terrorist groups and intelligence networks did collaborate with each other to carry out assassinations, bombings, things like that. And yeah. the, the South African um, military, like intelligence and military apparatus were uh, rumored to have been linked to like a, a whole slew of global assassinations all over the world of figures that had nothing to do with even campaigning against apartheid. But like they were, you know, you basically know, trigger men for this kind of, like, like I said, the, the global Operation Condor. Yeah. Say what you will. It's it's really inspiring to see people just work together. Yeah. Yeah. Put yeah. Exactly. Differences and work together. Uh, no. Uh, no. As as the walls were sort of closing in on apartheid, uh, the 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 apartheid government in the eighties went went ham in an attempt to to stave off the inevitable, and they they did things like plant mail bombs and kill ANC uh, uh, leaders outside of the country. Uh, like uh, Ruth First, for example, uh, uh, they've been accused recently of intentionally spreading AIDS through cutout uh, medical clinics, um, causing plane crashes, and yes, also doing things on behest of other right-wing regimes as part of this coordinated uh, 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 operation. I mean, for example, the man who killed uh, the the guy who blew up uh, Orlando Letterer in D.C. on behalf of the Pinochet regime was an American. He was not. He was not Chilean. So it was international. And not only was it international, it was so international, it had its own group. It had its own front pressure group called the World Anti-Communist League, which is, and, <laughs> and Vincent Bevins talks about them in, uh, in the Jakarta Method as one of the organizations that grew out of uh, the, the reaction uh, to third world independence and, and, uh, and socialist movements in the 70s and 80s. Uh, and so they did things like coordinate assassinations, uh, uh, surveillance, big time surveillance, sharing intelligence about each other's enemies, uh, where they might live. Uh, and also, uh, they had a cultural arm too. They, they were also trying to win the battle for hearts and minds in addition to shooting people and blowing them up. Uh, and that is where Red Scorpion comes in. Mm. Yeah. So, th- like I said, this, this wasn't, this was a very much unseen, uh, poorly received action movie that came out in 1988. That is interesting to this regard because it was essentially part of this this cultural like anti communist propaganda effort, and it was produced, like I said, by the a pretty famous figure Jack Abramoff. And like this was again, this is like the David late Lena Dunham. Yeah, <laughs> this is the late eighties, and like Abramoff was like this was like at the tail end of the Reagan administration. There were a lot of these, like the, like a lot of like the, the right wing groups that were sort of, um, like the mushrooms that grew out of the, the, the corpse of that White House were by the end of the Reagan administration very disillusioned by what they saw as like Reagan's capitulation to the, you know, global communism and things like that. Like he wasn't as hawkish as they would have liked him to have been. They were, they had, they had, you know, coming out of the disgrace of the Iran Contra hearings and then Oliver North going to jail. They felt like they were kind of on their back heels despite how much that they did get away with. And, you know, Abramoff himself had been uh, he'd been president of the College Republicans and came out of that whole like that whole scene 
with like Ralph Reed and Grover Norquist and those guys. And, you know, he had done all these lobbying stuff. And then like he had in 1985, he founded something called the International Freedom Fund, <laughs> which was a group that essentially was going to do lobbying on behalf of the apartheid South African government at a time when like that was becoming a big cause in America and the West, like divestment and boycott of South Africa and support for Mandela and the ANC. And he, he wanted to, you know, he, he founded this group like on behalf of, um, like I said, basically a, every evil person and villain of it, like in, in the continent of Africa and elsewhere um, to support the, you know, what they viewed as like the only reliably anti-communist government in, in Africa. And so like he, so he, he starts this, the IWF, the International Freedom Fund. And then a couple of years later, he tried, decides to try his hand at Hollywood. Him and his brother, of course, were both from Beverly Hills. They were both from, you know, Hollywood and like, like that community. Townies. Really. Yeah, exactly. And he, so he decided to like, he, so he puts together this screenplay and then gets funding for this movie. It, it was originally supposed to cost $8 million. It went twice over that. The, the whole movie that we just watched cost $16 million. And it is still pretty kind of, unknown where the funding for this movie came from but you can imagine you can like fill in the gaps in your head with like the more we tell you about this and essentially uh this was filmed in what was then southwest africa which is now the country of namibia and the the whole production of this film involved like breaking a a boycott of south africa and like like it's it's so like the movie is about a like Spesna soldier who's like a Russian military advisor. It takes place in the uh, a fictional country of Mumbaka, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be a stand-in for Angola. And like, but the thing was like the actual production of this movie violated like violated a boycott of South Africa at the time, and prob- and was you know received its funding probably from the South African military or government so much so pretty much that when you watch this movie. All of the military surplus in it, the jeeps and the tanks or whatever, and this, like I said, this very, very like C-rate knockoff of Rambo, were all from the South African military. Yeah, and the Southwest Africa was at that point still essentially a, a puppet state uh, uh, controlled by by the apartheid government. Then the International Freedom Fund, uh, the stated goal was quote to foster individual freedom throughout the world by engaging in activities which promote the development of free and open societies based on the principles principles of free enterprise. And they were also, uh, I mean, their, their, their goal, that was, that was their stated goal, but the actual goal was to oppose the Anti-Apartheid Act and any sanctions on South Africa at a time when, like, like, they, they, like I said, they, they, like in this, by the second admi- Reagan administration, they had all thought the, the old codger had gone soft, both on like uh, nuclear disarmament and then also supporting like, you know, allowing a boycott of such a staunch ally. Well, like you South say Africa. that's their, their, their stated goal, but like that what they ended up doing very much serves their stated goal, like in, in injecting neoliberalism into this or that place or or, you know, uh, whatever destabilizing economies. I mean, like it is actually pretty good for the ruling class to have apartheid. Also, I, I have to point out that um, that is very close to um, some of the copy you read on the About Us for Open Societies Foundation. <laughs> um, so, uh, so Jerry, just, like, just a little bit more about the uh, Abramoff's International Freedom Fund. Like he got, you know, he got on board like these, uh, the, these other like sort of um, very rich guys in California who were entrepreneurs and also fanatical anti-communists. A lot of the same people that he had met through the college Republicans, um, they sort of like took Abramoff under his under their wing. This guy named Jack Wheeler, and um, 
they they wanted to uh, support the Reagan doctrine of fighting communism, like you know, sort of wherever wherever it showed up in the world. But they said no. I'm reading a quote here from Wheeler, who says, "No Afghan knew where Nicaragua was, and no Contra knew where Angola was." So to solve that problem, in 1985, they set up. This is like one of my favorite um, like stories of this era. Like Abramoff and these guys organized this this global anti communist conference. Sorry, in, in Angola at the United's headquarters, where they united uh, like guys from the Mujahideen, the Contras, Laotian rebels, all, all under the aegis of the um, Joseph Savimbi. Jonas, sorry, Jonas Savimbi yeah. um, in Angola. Mac, can you speak a little bit on Savimbi? So, uh, Unida was this, because they're, 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 after the Portuguese left their colonies, Mozambique and uh, and Angola, which bordered the territory, the, the sphere of influence of the apartheid governments uh, after the Carnation Revolution in the 70s, which was a left wing military coup, essentially, uh, after which they said, fuck this, we're not fighting these wars anymore. And they handed the governments over to the Marxist inspired guerrilla movements that had uh, taken power, that had been fighting them, uh, which was not acceptable to uh, Pretoria, obviously. And and so. They helped stoke and support and arm and train uh, their own rebel movements, much like the U.S. did in Nicaragua after the Congress, Contras kicked out Somoza. Uh, and one of the big ones was uh, Unida, run by this guy, uh, Jonas Savimbi. So the entire time that he's running, he was running a very violent, uh, 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 bloody uh, insurgency against uh, the, the ruling uh, Angolan government. He was doing it with the training, arming, funding of South African government and the U.S., uh, also China, because they hated the Soviets, uh, and and so he was essentially a front man for the main, for 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 South African apartheid interests in this country to avoid the what they were terrified of, which was Ang- the domino effect. Essentially, now that Angola is no longer uh, controlled uh, by a colonial power, then Southwest Africa, which is on the southern border there, which is now Namibia, would then become independent, and then that's that. They're losing their buffer with the, with the rest of Black Africa that they were terrified of. So Savimbi was a, a South African operation, or was part. He was part of a South African operation to to hopefully overthrow uh, the government there and put in someone that they could at least have some sort of control over. Um, and then, of course, like you know, the uh, the Cuban army got involved as part of the Angolan civil war. Like they sent they you know Cuban troops to fight. Yes. South Africans in Angola. It's like, this is like the whole, and in this fictional country in the movie is like, is just a stand in for Angola because it's about, it's like Russian and Cuban military advisors supporting the government of this fictional country. Yes. Like they, you know, they, they're, they're the bad guys of this film. And, you know, the good guys, of course, are, the, yeah, the, 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 there's a, like a, the, the rebel leader is supposed to, is based on Savimbi. And it's just basically like the, the setup in Red Scorpion is sort of like, uh, what if it was actually the Soviet Union that assassinated Patrice Lumumba, essentially? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. They they turn Savimbi. They turn a Savimbi type character into a, in, a anti colonial freedom fighter instead of a literal puppet of a racist white regime, which is what he was. <laughs> so uh, you want to talk about the movie itself? Hell yes. yes! All right, let's get into it. Yes. So, like I said, it stars Dolph Lundgren. And he plays a, a Spetsnaz soldier. He is the, the elite of the elite. He is the, the, the top Russian military commando who was given, uh, and like in the, the opening scene is he's brought into a, uh, a smoke filled room filled with like the Russian generals and, and Cuban military advisors. And he's given a, you know, like a, a, a tight deck about the, <laughs> the nation of Mumbaka. And it's, um, sort of like, uh, yeah, it's indigenous, uh, 
revolutionary struggle against its awful, uh, yeah, Cuban Russian led regime. Um, and he's given a mission to uh, infiltrate the country and assassinate the leader of this uh, this revolution. The, the yeah, the Savimbi character. Um, and then, like, they, as soon as he comes in, they're like, "Oh, well, you know, so, Colonel So and So, our our friend from Cuba." And the Cuban guy like extends his hand out to Dolph, who just leaves him hanging, and then uh, refuses a cigar from him as well. You know, so he's already already not fully on board for these, you know, this, this foreign interference in another country. So, uh, yeah, he's sent to this, this, this fictional country as a military advisor, but he's really going there to do an assassination, to, to, to kill the, the leader of this, you know, um, democratic uprising, uh, like I said. And then he's sent to a, he's sent to a base uh, that um, I'll be referring to as the Andrew Cuomo base, yeah, <laughs> because they keep calling it, it's like Cuomo base or yeah. something, something similar to that. Just for the purposes of this show, we'll be calling it the Andrew Cuomo forward military operating base. Um, let's just talk about some of the uh, other cast members in this movie. We've got a, a Blade Runner reunion of mm-hmm. uh, the one of my favorite character actors of all time, M. Emmett Walsh, who has looked one of those act, classic actors who has looked old since they were like 30. Yeah. yeah. So like you're seeing this movie from 1988 and he looks the same as he does now. And you're sort of like, damn, how, how long has this guy been around? M. Emmett Walsh is still alive. Yeah. He was on this season of Righteous Gemstones. Yeah. Uh, so he's, he's still alive. And then the other actor, Brian James, who was also in Blade Runner as the uh, wake up, time to die, doing one of the weirdest Russian accents very, ever very conceived bad. of in this A movie. lot of terrible Russian There's accents. There's a lot film. of, yeah. Dolph's was actually pretty good. It was better than the other, that's yeah. for sure. Well, he didn't have as much dialogue, that helped. Yeah, well, yeah, Dolph has about 10 lines of dialogue in this Mostly movie. he sort of, he does the, the Tom Hardy thing of, you know, grunting and staring. A lot yeah. of grunting, a lot of staring. I mean, he's, he's there to look like, like just this, like, a, a slab of marvel he's with blonde hair. He's there to be hair. a sculpture, like a human sculpture. So, yeah, and then, um, so essentially it begins and it's, um, uh, Dolph has been, uh, he's been assigned to the Cuomo base, but he's not there really as a military advisor. He's got a secret mission, which is to ingratiate himself um, to the the friend and close advisor to the 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 revolutionary leader that he's supposed to assassinate, and he does that by getting drunk one night and shooting up a bar. Are you out of your mind? No, just out of bullets. And getting arrested by uh, his own military and thrown in the brig with like the his contact or the guy he's supposed to sort of gain the, tr- the trust of who will he's lead a, him to the because he's a he's he's like the second in command for the big the big rebel leader and the idea is yeah he will ingratiate himself to them so that he'll lead them to the base the hidden base with the rebels and then kill them for them um so yeah he gets drunk he shoots he picks a fight with a Czech guy and he's like Czech pig and then he just like like. He lets the Czech guy punch him in his slab of granite stomach like four or five times before just knocking him the fuck out and then shooting up a bar. And he's like sort of swilling vodka sullenly. It looked like he was on, looked like he was on Quaaludes. He was looted scene. out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so he, yeah. That was way too good of an acting to not be actually pills. He, so he gets thrown in. Uh, Brian James, the, the, evil, the, the evil military advisor, um, throws him in the brig. And it's there he meets, um, yeah, like the, the right-hand man to the, the secret rebel leader. Who knows where the secret rebel base is? And then also American journalist, I'm putting that in quotation marks, M. Emmett Walsh, who's this like flinty guy who gets thrown and he's like, You commie bastards! You're, you're, why did you give these people freedom? It's literally like also the most perfect portrayal of, uh, of like conflict journalists. 
who are all fucking psychopaths. Like, if you want to cover a war or a conflict, I really think you should only be allowed to do it for a year because it is one of those uh, professions that attracts, like, actual monomaniacally, like, insane people. And he's like a perfect portrayal of that. Yes, they don't do a very good job. They don't do a very good job of anything in this movie. But one of the things it's they do a, good a, movie. a very bad job of is establishing why they've thrown Emmett Walsh in jail, or that he's even a journalist. You really yes. kind of have to squint at it to make any of it sense. And I think what they're trying to get across in this movie, from a scene where where uh, before Dolph Lundgren gets thrown in, he's walking through this this base, and you can hear. Uh, the 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 hoot the 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 hot licks of Little Richard somewhere. R.I.P. And then later on, after he's in jail, they throw M.M.M. Walsh in with him, and he's yelling, "You commie bastards!" And then they show Brian James looking at a uh, tape recorder that M.M.M. Walsh had. He presses a button, and it starts playing the rock and roll, and he reacts like a vampire who has seen garlic. He's like, "Ah!" He hits it. Because this movie, over the course of it, we will find, has a very strong theme of rock and roll is what will defeat communism. Well, this was actually a huge part, too. This was a huge part of, like, the kind of cultural war that that the anti-communists did. They did. They were like, we have rock and roll and blue jeans. And uh, there's a... Like, a friend of mine made T-shirts that just say punk is CIA. And it is kind of true. Well, there's... About the history of it, particularly, like... With uh, with uh, communist Germany. Yeah. Well, no. There's a podcast now about that song by the Scorpions, yes. "Winds of Change," which is may, might have literally been written by the CIA. Right. Yeah. I know. Red Scorpions. Scorpions. How deep mm. does this rabbit hole go, folks? Yeah. This is like the the anti communist network. Its its tentacles are everywhere. But but from what I was able to glean, they arrested M. M. Walsh, the journalist, for playing rock and roll in public. Mm-hmm. Like you can't do that. You're going to make them all stop uh, being uh, loyal communist subjects if they hear too much rock and roll. Uh, Little Richard is returned to a lot in this movie, and I think they only got the rights for one song. Yeah. So it's just played at least three times in this movie. Yeah. And uh, and I, I, I had to look this up. This movie did come out a year after. A year after Predator. A year after John McTiernan's masterpiece, Predator, of which we all know is, you know, another uh, that also depicts um, uh, CIA anti-communist black ops, this this time in Central America, but is a thousand times a better movie. I mean, Predator's a perfect film up and and down. That's the thing, too, is that, like, there is a rainbow of, like, Cold War anti-communist propaganda from this period, and... This is just such a turd compared to so many. <laughs> yeah, of them. yeah, those are great movies, and and also like Predator was a little bit more artful, and it both in its use of the Little Richard song, and one of my favorite scenes in, in motion picture yes, history, the helicopter, is when they're flying the Hueys into the jungle, and they're just you know blasting that uh, sexual tyrannosaurus, yeah, blasting that Little Richard, uh, blasting Long Tall Sally, uh, chewing Shaw, spitting Shaw, telling dirty jokes with your friends, you know, dude's rocking his whole life. Yeah. It's just like 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 the, the highest T ever. Yeah. And like, communists don't in, allow dudes to rock. No, it's, no. It's oh my god, no. dudes rock yeah. is against is against the Soviet oh my god, constitution. No. Oh my god, no. You would be sent to you would be sent to the re-education Gulag. camps if you rock for you if you rock. No, no rocking. Um, so, but like, but crucially, what I like about Predator is that like you know Arnold's squad of like the highest T men ever assembled. Like he, he he views himself as a rescue squad who doesn't want to work for the CIA, and he's like, mm-hmm. we're here to like save people who are being held hostage or whatever, and then acts like very like indignant when it turns out that the CIA was just using them to like just wipe out some like rebel group in the jungle. He's like, yeah. 
Damit, how could you do this to us? It's just like, oh no, when I was being sent into the jungle to kill people, I thought it was for a good reason. Yeah, right. You know? yeah, I was rescuing folks. <laughs> and you know what? Like, I was a first responder. <laughs> and you know, like this movie is very much in the same way because it's about Dolph Lundgren, who's like the ultimate commando, who's like he's Russia, Mother Russia's greatest killing machine. But you know, he becomes disillusioned. Like he's been trained to be a Spetsnaz officer. Yeah. And then he becomes it's disillusioned like the, literally the first time they give him a job to do. Which means he just spent the last 10 years in Afghanistan <laughs> just burning down villages. Yeah. And then like they send him to do this one mission. And he's like, God, I can't help but get the feeling that like maybe we're the bad guys yeah. here. Like, you know, and it's just like, yeah, like my, my entire job is just like just aching entire villages of people. But then he's just like, wait a second. Yeah, they're not maybe ex- this is wrong. They're not exactly clear either as to why this is his first Are We the Baddies moment. I have a... I have a I have Unless it's the Little Richard. I think it's Little Richard. Little Richard. I honestly think Little that's Richard. it. I think it's, it's implied it's that like, literally the cultural thing... Yeah, like yeah. the rock and roll like deprogrammed him or reprogrammed him or something yes. like that. Um, uh, rock and roll, and then also, at a later point in the movie, using cuss words. Yes. This is, yeah. very, this is another very important part of the anti-communist propaganda. Yeah. Is that like... Uh, there's, there's you, can where, you can do swears. You can do swears. So so essentially... um. Uh, uh, Dolph um, helps um, uh, the like the, the the revolutionary guy and Emmett Walsh break out of Russian prison, mm-hmm. and he breaks them out and like takes them into the it takes them into the bush and like there you know there's a chase scene and they're being chased by the troops and he helps them get away of course only like to provide he's like pretending to be a deserter only to provide cover for his his true mission which is the assassination of uh, Jonas Savimbi. Right, so there's a scene where, like, after they've escaped from like the first wave of Russian and Cuban soldiers, they're uh, they're sitting by the campfire, you know, they're in, they're in the bush, uh, you know, doing doing a hike to the secret rebel base, and M. Emmett Walsh just has this like sitting by the campfire, and he has this whole thing where he's like, ah. Wish I wish they were gonna have a bacon cheeseburger right now. I'm like, nothing, God, you probably don't know anything about that, do you, Ivan? And then he's just like, listen. I'll fucking curse whenever I want to. That that's freedom of speech. Well, you probably wouldn't know anything about that, you Russian bastard, you motherfucking gun shit, dick fuck this. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he just that's freedom, baby. Yep, that's he's just, freedom. He's just listening. All he's just talking, sitting around the fire, talking about all the great things about America. And it's yeah. like it's 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 okay. Rock it's and roll a, music. It's a Dennis Leary routine. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Mocha chicka fucking latte. That's yeah. freedom to me, buddy. Um. So yeah, he's like he, using cuss words. So he's exposed Dolph, the, the, the Spesnaz Commando, to um, Funky Pete's. Yes. And the, the unbridled sort of libidinal liberty mm-hmm. of using dirty language yeah. around a campfire with your friends. And then I was kind of hoping, like, you know, also another big part of it, I was hoping Emmett Walsh would talk about, like, you know, uh, you get, like in America, you can watch a girl lick a lollipop or something <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that. You, you know, if you go to a girl's gymnastics meet, they don't ask you if you're a parent. They just assume it. You can just stay there all day. Uh, what, an- another another digression about the uh, the foul language in this movie. Um, there's there's a great uh, in the Wikipedia page for for this film under under the controversy tab. It says here, producer Jack Abramoff later claimed that he did not intend the film to contain so much violence and profanity, blaming the director. He established a short lived. Committee for Traditional Jewish Values in Entertainment to release films more in line with his values, but he later abandoned the project, <laughs> feeling it would be unfeasible. Yeah, it'd be yeah. unfeasible because you want to make good movies that people like. They're gonna have to have some. They're gonna have to have some nudity, some cuss words, and some shooting. But what I like about this is that like Abramoff is going against the most, the the only attractive part of anti-communist propaganda is he's like, can we sell this message 
without cool violence, cuss words, and nudity. No. And there's not even any nudity in this movie. No, no. there's but, there's it's it's there's not a sexy interest. There's there's not, no love interest yeah. at all. Like Dolph is just a robot. Yeah, it's pure. And dudes. that you know he's just he he sees the true nature of the world and he's like, well, we'll, we'll get to his, his deprogramming process is a long one. Yeah, but the thing is, yeah, you can't. The Abramoff, he has to have that stuff because this movie makes the case very explicitly that, hey, human personal self-expression, it's entirely tied in with capitalism. Like, you cannot be yourself. You cannot be a free person unless you are listening to rock and roll, eating a damn cheeseburger, uh, ogling a hot dame, uh, and having your eyeballs pop out of your head and, and bang together on their stalks. You ha- you, you, it's full indulgence. The communism is not cool. Like That's the big argument. It has really little to do with any kind of real notions of freedom. It's they're not cool. they got to stick up their butt. They can't relax. They can't vibe because they don't like consumption. They don't like consumerism. And that's How else can you express yourself? Yeah, and like, being a slobbering, self-indulgent, ex- yeah, exactly. vulgar individualist is the only way to be free. The only and, way to be and free. And M.M. Walsh is the perfect avatar of a, of a, yep. of a slovenly, foul-mouthed, but freedom-loving American. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? And, like, he, he, of course, he is the, you know, he's the, the CIA journalist. I mean, he might as well have said, I'm in the country to, like, you know, document the local f- flora and fauna or yeah. something. Like, yeah, I'm just a bird watcher. Every once in a while, he'll be narrating, like, with this extremely purple prose, like, all of the violence and, and like, it's, like, yeah, this is what they're like. Yeah, no, he he has he has a, has a tape recorder where he's supposedly doing his filing his journalism reports, yeah, right. and he's just like, I've never felt loathing before this day of when I see what the the, the 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 heartless red has done to these you know like these these defenseless villagers or whatever. It is amazing though that they they that they he is so clearly obviously a CIA agent on a, under a journalistic uh, cover, but they never actually say it. And you'd think they wouldn't want to either, or even intimate it because it undermines their point. But there's no other way to depict that guy. Yeah, yeah. Like he has to, because that's what that the person doing that would only be right. like on a side, and that means that you're coordinated with like the foreign oh, policy and like, of your and government. Then, like, as soon as shit goes down, he's like he's busting out a shotgun and just shooting, yep. just blowing up Russians. He, and, like, uh, a shotgun that previously they shot Brian James with during the escape. Brian James didn't even he, he got winged. And the same shotgun was fired at a truck, and it exploded. It was good. That's yeah, that the is thing. really the only like really redeeming part of this movie. The only thing that they're really good at is the the melee scene. Yeah, because they were blowing up a bunch of uh, surplus South African military, equipment. and that just looks cool. Yeah, uh, an- another thread to this movie is like the production of it was like I mean again, th- this is a movie. That we've you know financed through like incredibly shady sources of money, like as a straight up propaganda film, not just on behalf of like this global anti-communist message, but literally on behalf of the South African apartheid government, yeah. who provided much of the military equipment and probably financing for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the production itself, would it surprise you, was a total disaster. And then like most of the actors on the movie claim that they. W- were either paid a single fee up for front and never got any residuals uh, from the performance, or just simply were not paid at all. And uh, one of the actors, capitalism, in, baby. Yeah, one of the actors in the movie is the guy who plays uh, the the Cuban uh, military advisor. Uh, this guy, um, his name is. Um, it's like it's Tony Baloney t- style. It's it's that Italian. It's maximum levels of Carmen Argenziano. Yeah, hey, Carmen <laughs> Argenziano. He's like he looks like an Italian uh, Michael Ironside, yeah, yeah. but he's playing a Cuban military advisor. Uh, who who says uh like 
<laughs> of the film. I just wanted to get the hell out of there. It was a very hard shoot. We were all worn out, so no one made a stink. And then he also said that he was sh- like sh- also because you're stuck in like like rural Africa. And no, like he, he says, that, like while he was filming the movie. He was like, "Oh, it's produced by these two, these two, these two nice Jewish boys from Beverly Hills." He assumed that they would just be Hollywood libs. Yeah, and then he gets on set, and it's like the fucking, uh, it's like the bounty hunter scene from Empire Strikes Back <laughs> for like every fucking like psycho yeah. right wing death yeah. squad. Like, There's like in, a bunch of Rhodesian in, mercenaries, yeah. and like uh, 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 Mossad guys, and some like Operation Condor dudes. And he was like, "I, yeah, just, I just all- love the idea. Like, it's the most American 1980s Hollywood thing in the world." to openly break the uh, boycott of South Africa in flagrant violation of any sort of uh, support for the abolition of apartheid because you needed things to blow up. <laughs> no, he said, uh, Carmen uh, Argenziano says that uh, many of the men, he subsequently said, like being on the set of this movie, that many of the men who played the Russian and Cuban soldiers were actual SADF soldiers so like not only were they loaning out cool. fucking like jeeps and Very tanks cool. and shit, they were like using actual South yeah. African soldiers to yeah. play parts in this movie. And uh, he says here, we heard that very right-wing South African money was helping fund this movie. It wasn't very clear. We were pretty upset about the source of the money. We thought we were misled. We were shocked that these brothers who we thought were showbiz liberals, Beverly Hills Jewish kids, were doing this. <laughs> I'm talking to a guy who says he tried to kill Charles de Gaulle once. What the fuck? <laughs> No, it's funny because like Abramoff is an interesting figure because like I said, he like he comes from Hollywood, but was like always this very like right wing Jewish kid. He was like both the sort Stephen of Stephen Miller type. Yeah, you know, he was a proto like Ben Shapiro and Steve Bannon, and that like he always had these like, these aspirations to um both also like, you know, be a part of politics and like be a K Street guy, but like what his real dream was was to be a wheeler and dealer in Hollywood and make like what, like a right wing Indiana Jones movie? Yeah, like make make a movie that would have that level of cultural impact, but Wouldn't also be, be like just straight up right wing propaganda. But it's yeah. also like it's you know weirdly like with the profanity issue too. Like he was a like true right winger both economically and socially, which is insane because he makes a dumb dumb movie full of explosions and curse words. Like he's uh, like. I I don't buy that he didn't that he opposed the way the movie turned no. out. No, I mean he's he, he said that after the yeah, fact exactly. to justify the fact that it was a giant yeah. Yeah, yeah. bomb. Yeah, and he was just like, oh well, uh, the reason not not enough people saw this movie is there was too many f words and shooting in yeah. it. Was well, like, that's the only thing. Well, well, yeah. well and he, he still wanted like credibility for being like a nice conservative person. <laughs> yeah, who, yeah. You know, who had nice Jewish values. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. As the film progresses, like so, so, so Dolph um, gets taken to the the secret base, and he meets uh, Jonas of Envy, um, and then totally botches his assassination. Really bad job. Makes you wonder. Completely bungles. Like, really are we bad. sure this isn't the JV Spetsnaz squad that he's on? There's a point that he was where he was supposed to be sneaking around. <laughs> oh God! He sneak, yeah, he sneaks into the hut of the of the Jonas of Envy character, and it's like Frankenstein sneaking downstairs to get something out of the fridge at midnight. <laughs> yeah. It Just was lumbering. truly like I mean, and and Dolph Lundgren is He's pretty a foot good taller at, than at, everyone at else in the movie. That doesn't in, help. Walking with purpose. Yeah. At uh, standing, he's very good at standing. He can also um, run and walk sometimes. Sneaking, not sneaking. Not he does no, not, not know a lot how of to grace. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he's like, he's just, he's knocking glasses off the shelves. You know, <laughs> so, of course, like, they catch him. Yeah, they catch yeah. him, and then for some reason, don't execute him on the spot. No, as a troll. Okay. Okay. They said that. They oh, said, yeah, they yeah. Said, we're going to leave him for your people, to your people, so they get owned. Yeah, as, an, as a testament to, like, the living embarrassment of the humiliation of, like, the, the Russian military. Yeah. So, then, then he's sent back to, like, like uh, his people, who immediately put him in chains, uh, strip him nude, and then hang him in a dungeon. And, you know, I will give the movie credit as an, as, as, an entry in the canon of 80s action film. It does deliver in, uh, on, on the beefcake and the homoeroticism. Oh, yeah. Because he is tortured by the Cuban advisor. Oh, man, that is very, the weirdest scene in the movie. Very homoerotic scene. Yeah. Where they, where like, okay, so they, they both they, look like they're hard. And they both look like they're coming. Yes. Like their faces, they're, they're this, ex, this agony of ecstasy. So like they bring, they bring in another Cuban advisor who's the torture advisor. After he's been stripped of his rank in Spesnaz. And like, like, for the, bungling. The, 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 the head Russian guy is like, you are no longer Spesnaz. And he's like, really? Please? Can I, <laughs> Come on, can guys. I still have the mat? Can I still wear the t shirt? And they're like, no. Can I keep the knife that shoots out on a spring? Because it's <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. No. So he's, he's disgraced. And then, like, and then they hand him over to be tortured by the Cubans for some reason. And the Cuban method of torture is just like, this guy has. Like just like un- un- unfurls his set of beautiful stainless steel needles, yeah. And he, it, it, his torture method is that he just finds a fatty part of of Dolph's just sort of chiseled physique. He finds a good chunk of muscle and just starts like on like a very surface very level, very slowly sticking needles through him. I can stick these into you. All night and through, so then they come yeah, up the other, end, the other end. They stick, and like that's a sex thing. That's not a torture. I saw that on real sex when I was a kid. They like <laughs> sickos do that shit, and they get off on it. They love it. They love it. Communists the, do it, and the whole time he's doing it, they cut to them, and he's like, oh, and they cut to Dolph. And Dolph is like, oh, <laughs> and so he's got he's bristling with these things. Like I said, very not even any blood's coming out of them. No. Like it is like the way you would do it if you were going to like do the Pain Olympics or something. Or yeah, like yeah. Hang a guy off of those belt things they have on their I'm, back. I say, like you know, I, I'm a listener. You know, if, if you're going to do blood and needle play, like please, please know what you're doing. You That's know, please use sterilized absolutely. equipment. You know, right. it, it, it can go wrong. Safety first. Safety Safe, first. Yeah. Safe can't go. Um. So, uh, you know, when you know it, um. Before the guy has a chance to like really turn him into a pincushion and come before he and can come. come, yeah, before anyone comes, Dolph is able to to break out of of this of this torture situation, and then goes on sort of like a he's just like walks barefoot into the desert and does sort of like a pseudo walkabout where he gets stung by scorpions in the middle of the night. He's just <laughs> like a of, bunch of them. He yeah, falls a whole down, bunch he just of wakes them. up covered in scorpions, and like they sting the shit out of him, and it's just like wow, this is this is the one thing we didn't want to happen when, yeah. I, when I wandered into the African desert <laughs> in the middle of the night. I was really hoping not to get yeah. stung by scorpions. It was it was genuinely comical. It was genuinely like sideshow Bob with the rakes, but scorpions. It was just why. First of all, how do they get there so quickly? Second of all, like I, they're really like a coalescing in such a density upon his corded, muscly back. Like it was, it was. I I found it funny. I'll say that. I found it hot. Um. So then, uh, so then he is saved in a, a classic movie trope of like a, a guy who's like you know near near the brink of death in the wild, like you know like uh in a survival scenario, like he's stripped of all of his modern technological equipment and training and it's just sort of like you know he's dying of dying he's been stung he's you know dying of thirst and exposure he is sort of uh 
adopted and taken under the wing by one of the sort of um, indigenous Bushmen and uh, his tribe of people. And then like a good chunk of like the second third of this movie is just Dolph hanging out with his Bushman friend yep. who teaches him how to like how to know, vibe. Yeah. He just teaches him how to how to hunt a warthog. Yeah. Um, this was supposed to be, I think, the stand in for, you know, the dude's rock of capitalism. But it didn't quite work. It well, was more of a paternal thing, you know. Well, part of the problem is is that they don't speak to each other, and they don't really ever establish a, a rapport. Also, with, Dolph is a with, moron, and he's a moron. He can't. He keeps just speaking to him in Russian yeah. or English. It's like, like how do you think this guy would know this languages? You don't. He's not trying any body language at all. That doesn't. It doesn't occur to him to point. He's like a dog. You know how a how like a dog doesn't understand the concept of pointing. Yeah, they look it just at the stares at your not finger. Where you're looking at. Uh, but and then and the real thing that bungles it is, is that another classic trope is they do a spirit quest. They smoke so- scorpions and like put no, the, like they, they milk them they for their milk venom. Them. Oh right, milk and, them and, and then put it, put it in into a, of, uh, like, a gourd like, type. A gourd type. Yeah. Uh, yeah like uh, uh, they do. They do Coachella. Yes. Yeah. It, he's yeah. Yes. It's Coachella. No, he he has a Coachella experience in the desert yes. with these bushmen who like who, who teach him um, how to survive. Um, you know, in, in, in the sub-Saharan, uh, you know, yeah. heat and sort of bush uh, scrub. Um, and then, like, yeah, they, they give him a tattoo. They give him a tribal tattoo. But, of a scorpion. But of a they, scorpion. they leave the spirit quest experience yeah. completely on the it's ground. True. There's just no show cool him, drug. Show him drinking the stuff and then, like, being kind of, like, sweating. sweating. They don't show his point of view, which is the whole point of those scenes. Yeah. I mean, it's really it's Very really important. just leaving that on the table. Also, I feel like that's a very cheap thing to film. All you got to do is put some weird, like, Yeah, just put a, put a gel on. over the lens yeah, yeah. of the camera and then spin it let around him, a little bit. Let him stumble. Yeah. You they know? couldn't even bother with that. They just show him sweating. They give him the tattoo, and then the next morning he's fine, and now he's like a warrior. Because while this is happening, you know what? I just figured out why. Because Abramoff would have been extremely anti-drugs. That's true. They can't look, show him. Tripping. They can't show that drugs are fun. <laughs> yeah, no. It's like he's miserable. He's miserable, and sweating, and they're giving the tattoo. And there's this implication that yeah. this is medicinal. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. He, he gets a scorpion tattoo, so he has sort of like a scarification. A, yeah, yeah, scarification. Ta- not a, yeah, exactly. Right. One of those tattoos are for uh, bikers and and <laughs> and those punk rock kids. <laughs> no, he gets he gets official a, a, a tribal scarification right, and he has like he's sort of branded with the scorpion, and they're like that's now his sort of. His avatar, because he's he survived getting stung by fifteen scorpions yeah. in, the, in the middle of the desert. Um, all the while this is going on, uh, the, the 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 evil Soviet um, uh, military guy, his like uh, Dolph's former boss, has been flying all over the all over the countryside in one of those super cool Russian attack helicopters with the, the Heinz, the Heinz uh, Russian attack helicopter. Seen, of course, in Rambo uh, First Blood Part 2 and, of course, at the end of Red Dawn as well. It was like a classic piece of like, again, if you think back to like the these Cold War action movies, it was like they always wanted to like underscore that like Russia's military was like this fucking juggernaut. Yeah. And they have these fucking like these gigantic just attack helicopters, which like, let's be honest, like pretty intimidating, pretty badass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty awesome. They got fucking, they got the rockets on it. They got the fucking guns. They just like, just lay way, just lay waste to anything in front of it. Mm-hmm. So they're like, yeah, like don't, don't cut our military funding. Cause yeah. you know, like they're going to, there's going to be one yeah. of these hovering <laughs> yeah. over your children's school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, while, while, the, while Dolph is having his spirit quest vision, the Russian, uh, the, the Heinz attack helicopter is just going from village to village, spraying it with, they're just sort of dripping like an aerosolized 
like blue paint or something. They call it's, it blue rain. They call it blue rain. And it's never really explained, but it's clearly some sort of like Soviet version of Asian orange, I think. <laughs> That's like, yeah. that what, did, what did we kill all those people with? <laughs> yeah, Asian exactly. orange? They got to have something like that, right? It's blue, though? I don't know. Yes, it's, it's Soviet blue. <laughs> That's so and yeah, like, and it's, it's implied that it's going to give all the people cancer and kill their livestock and shit like that. But then, like, once again, shit we did. No, I mean, like, having the then, Soviets again, do like, it. go back, back to the original, like, thing here about, like, oh, like, this is a movie about a, a Russian commando assassinating some, like, um, <laughs> democratic leader or, like, a people's uprising. It's just. Like everything they portray in this is like all shit that like we did. Yes. Like like one hundred percent. Yeah. Um and then like yeah, they there's they, they spray them with blue paint, but then they also send guys in uh, with flamethrowers to like scorch their yeah. uh, their guys wearing to giant, burn to burn their uh, grass huts, which I gotta say, they could probably rebuild a day or two. There were like two of them too. They yeah. burned two grass yeah. huts. And, yeah. we, and then the um, real loss is the is the Jonas Vimby guy, because he gets shot rescuing a girl. Although uh, they don't right. show it very well, they, and you don't know it until it's later. It's not shot very if this well. this better propaganda, and you know, like, I, we, we could have done a much better version oh, of this Oh, absolutely. Movie. There should have been a scene with the flamethrowers where they're just, like, they're they're torching a big pile of, like, uh, we said, Hall & Oates yes, records. Hall & Oates records, yes. blue jeans. Blue jeans. <laughs> yeah. Anything cool and fun. Uh, Budweiser, Coca-Cola, the, soda. The Farrah Fawcett poster that everyone loved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can see her nip. None yeah. of this decadence. Yeah, destroy it No all. fun of any kind. So... Uh yeah, so like they, 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 you know they're they're doing scorched earth shit. They're trying to stop people from listening to the radio and spreading like the message of freedom. But you know like like Adolf uh, after that they've after their village has been raised, Dolph just walks back into the village and they're like Emmett Walsh like I can't believe it's this guy again. This fucking guy's this back. Fucking Russian guy's back. Oh wait, wait wait wait. <laughs> did, did we skip? We skipped over the part where actually the Bush tribe also got uh blue rained. Yeah, they got blue rained as well. And they they were just, Let's just they weren't just even politically damage. involved. They were, they were not even they were, had a non alignment principle. This is yeah, this is also. just how evil yeah, yeah. these awful so and also the guy advisors. his like you know his um you know spirit quest uh, Baba OJ friend just sort of looks around. He's like, damn, that sucks. And he's still friends with Dolph Lundgren, and it never once conv- like occurs to him apparently as it would if I were this guy that like. Did this giant, terrifying white man bring evil into my life? <laughs> yeah. This seven-foot-tall, like, Scandinavian guy who just shows up randomly. Maybe that's a harbinger. Like, maybe that's a, an ill omen. Maybe that portends bad it's for the like, future. It's just like, are these your friends? Like, yeah. what? what is this? Are you full of disease? Is this a smallpox blanket kind of situation? Like, it, it was very weird. And they just skipped over it. And the guy was just fine with it. So, basically, like, the, the climax of the movie is that, that Dolph emerges... Um, from his from his spirit quest to to help this this uh, the, this democratic re- democratic rebellion of uh, Jonas Savimbi, who uh, Jonas Savimbi's been killed, he's been martyred, but like his right hand man, the guy he originally breaks out of jail, is still there. And there's a scene where like after their village has been destroyed, he's just like, we have nothing left to do but go back to our homes and sip the bitter tea of at the in the agony of defeat. And then Dolph just goes. Let's kick ass and just racks a shotgun. And then the next scene is them overrunning the Andrew Cuomo base. Yep. And by the way, another another missed opportunity. They didn't show the spirit quest. They did not show Dolph kidding up because when they show up, right? Snatch no cut to them attacking no the, the village or uh, the the base. He's got booty shorts on mm-hmm. and, and like a billowy yeah. vest, but he's got the he's got the the camouflage makeup. 
He's got three guns strapped to him. He's got a bunch of grenades. He's he's doing a gender swap cosplay as uh, Laura Croft. Exactly. There's such don't short see shorts. Him strapping in, which is the best scene in any movie. Like putting on the makeup, we don't even get to see that. None of that I know that they did in Commando, and that's the best. But it's like it's yeah. still fun in any version. Rambo, Everyone Rambo, likes Rambo too. a makeover and montage. It is. It's a whether it's rock Clueless or or Predator. Yeah, like yep. you want to see the makeover. Like, Absolutely. Like, like, again, this is such such a pain imitation of Rambo which is already on its own like at least by First Blood Part 2 like insane Zumbo pro- didn't propaganda. let us win yeah and of course insane the third one revisionist propaganda in Afghanistan yeah with uh, our well, brave this is, was propaganda uh, for the time it was made yeah but is hilariously ill-suited to anything that came after yeah that. oh boy Famous our bad uh, a joke we did in our book from yeah. the hardcover to paperback editions yeah. it references Rambo 3 the film released VHS uh, release of the movie they changed the the end title card where it says uh, this film is dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters. And then for, re- for subsequent releases of the film, they changed it. This film is dedicated to the gallant people of Afghanistan. <laughs> and again, in those Rambo movies, they show him sharpening that big ass knife. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's just, it's just it's his dick. Cool. It's just like my dick is hard. His yeah. dick is yeah. hard. His dick is dick sharp. Is on hard. His dick is on hard. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they, they give you none of that. Even though Dolph is, you know, quite, quite a specimen. They do give him one yeah. shot of though where they they verb, they visually confirm him finally breaking with his Soviet programming where he takes his dog tags and the Cyrillic and just throws them away, indicating that he will be a new he will be a dissident for the twenty first century. He will be Alexander Swolzenitsyn for the <laughs> Swolzenitsyn <laughs> for the people of uh, of Mombaka. Mombaka, yeah. So they they overrun the Soviet military base. Um, the, they overcome. This you know democratic pe- indigenous democratic people's movement, yes. which is in no way connected to any you know foreign intelligence, not at all, or anything no. like no. that. Um, no idea where we found all these guns. We have no idea where they came from. And, and Emmett Walsh shows up at this point, just violating. I mean, any journalistic uh, integrity, literally driving a, a a technical with a fucking recoilless rifle on it through the barricade. That's I'm sorry. Uh, that is not enough impartiality for a journalist, in my opinion. No, that is not that is not objective when you're taking up arms and fighting <laughs> when one side of this of conflict. Yeah. But you know what, though, you hear that little Richard. You got to do, yeah. do, do, do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. So again, like so, so Dolph goes. He goes fully democracy whiskey sexy. Uh, at the end, the, the evil Russian guy goes, "You were Spetsnaz," and he goes, "I still am Spetsnaz. I'm just not one of you." Yeah. And it's just like, well, that kind of defeats the whole point. That's the whole, That's the whole point. point. That's the whole point yeah. is that you're part of the Soviet military. Yeah, you're part you know? of the project. Yeah. So, uh, yes, democracy triumphs at the end. Yeah, and then like n- nothing bad happens. And no, everything. Yeah. yeah, the government's fantastic. And then everything turned out fine. Gets, and the funny thing is, is that so this was this was you know propaganda, right, to help bolster the image of of, of these anti uh, the unit of rebels in Angola. And it came out in 1988, which was uh, also, it was already basically a dead letter when it came out because by that point, the war was basically over because uh, over the course of the, of, of the second half of, two, of 1987 uh, and into early 1988, there was this huge battle, the biggest land battle in Africa since World War II, the Battle of Quito Cuanavale between the, the Marxist Angolan government and, and Cuba. Uh, against Unida and and the South Africa, like it wasn't even covert. There were South African ground troops there, and they fought a back and forth, inconclusive stalemate for like six months. Uh, and at the end of it, 
I mean, uh, neither side won definitively, but the myth of of uh, of white South African military uh, dominance invincibility was, yeah. was shattered. And very shortly after that, they started negotiating a drawdown. Uh, and within within a few years, uh, the, the, they'd even pulled out of uh, Southwest Africa. So it was already fucking over mm. uh, on the ground when they made the movie. So it's even more a a a a a, a symbol of of a of a failed movement. Yeah, that's why you try to your take either has to be uh, really hot, like really on top of it. You either have to turn out something that's so immediately germane that it's perfect, or you wait for something to happen and then you write about it. Yeah. Because no one wants a lukewarm take. Yeah. And that's like just timing wise, very bad idea to make a movie about this particular subject. But again, I mean, it's it, it is. I mean, essentially almost every 80s action film was propaganda for the United States and Israel. Like, yes. for the most part, like the, the people involved in, in, in producing them, writing them, directing them were like self-consciously aware of, of this fact. I mean, if you like the like the. The other Chuck Norris movies the director did, uh, Missing in Action and Invasion USA. Invasion USA is the best because it's it's another thing where it's just the Cubans and uh, and the Russians. The Russians, the, the bad guys, a Russian military advisor. Yeah, and they just bring a, a bunch of guys to go to Florida and just blow up malls and just drive by shoot suburban neighborhoods. That's, that's a, the big thing though about communists is that is that they hate shopping. They no, hate and, it. and there's a scene where like 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 Chuck Norris drives a pickup truck into a mall and just you know pops out with two Uzis and just starts spraying like you know yeah. all, like the Russians were the Cubans were attacking the shopping mall. Yeah. And the first scene in Invasion USA of like the real beginning of the military operation is like the Russian guys on like a you know he's on a truck with all his like his commandos and they just pull down this like quiet suburban street in the middle of the night and it's Christmas time <laughs> and they're like looking in the window of these people like wrapping presents and like it's just it's Norman Rockwell shit yeah yeah and then he just takes a, a fucking bazooka and just shoots it through the fucking front door of these people's houses it owns yeah um uh, this movie not so much no this movie is a real this was this was very dry yeah. even by eighties action movie standards but I think it is funny to think about it. Is like as goofy as all this shit is. It really was like the goofiness is like almost hides like the how sinister the shit behind it really is. Oh yeah, is because like this really was in like in Abramoff directly, and then working with the South African military, and like I said, this International Freedom Fund, which was this kind of umbrella conference of like of, of global anti-communist uh, right-wing terrorist groups and, and militaries, and like, like the, uh, a global tiger uh, camp. Yeah, exactly from uh, American tabloid. Um, uh, that, w- that one of the goofier, like one of the efforts that was, you know, that came out of it was not just perhaps assassinating the prime minister. Of Sweden. <laughs> it was also, it was also the film Red Scorpion starring Dolph Lundgren. Did you guys ever see Red Heat with oh, Schwarzenegger? Of course. Where he plays a, a, a Russian uh, a cop who goes to Chicago to hunt, hunt down a, a criminal with the help of. Uh, Jim Belushi, freewheeling uh, Chicago cop Jim Belushi. It's been a while, but I remember that Belushi joint. It's the exact same deal where the Russians are square like that in the eighties. Yeah. The real the argument it wasn't really anything about economics at all. It was purely Russians don't like fun. 
Mm-hmm. They're they're all just boring, and, and that and, if you if you want communism, everyone's going to be boring like yeah. these boring this guys. Like, you you know, need you need to be swearing. You need to have be eating a hot dog messily. And like and you the, need to the, do a bad job of you need to do a shitty job at your job and not care. And this was you know counter propaganda to so much of American films that had come before that, which was like. I guess, you know, tagged with like a sort of a, a tinge of the counterculture, which was the, like the sort of slobs for snobs thing. Yep. Animal House, County mm-hmm. Shack, movies like that, where it was like the, the squares, like I'm thinking in Animal House in particular, like the Omega House, Kevin Bacon, Niedermeyer, like they were associated with like American, like right fascistic, like yeah. right wing military mm-hmm. authoritarianism and then sort of like weird esoteric rituals, but also uh, anti rock and roll anti having a good time mm-hmm. anti just like let you know being being a slob being a weirdo letting it hang out like they they were th- that was the symbol of like right wing uh like villainy and then in like the 80s which keep in mind like under the reagan administration they basically restarted the cold war yes. and like the, the counter propaganda to that was like you said matt it was like no 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 it's like the reds the soviets they're the squares they're the squares they're, they're the, the they're the uptight like persnickety niedermeyer type yeah. characters who yeah. are like all they care about is polishing the brass buttons on their fucking military uniforms. Not even, not even that explicitly, though. I don't even think they needed to throw in Russians to make kind of you know Cold War propaganda. I think John Hughes is one of the most successful Cold War propaganda. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And like when you think about like something like Ferris Bueller, who definitely grew up to become Pat, Patrick Bateman. <laughs> oh, sure. Like it's like, well, that was an incredibly. I mean, they even. Oh, remember John Lennon? Remember all this? Uh, you know, all you need is love, and uh, I am the Walrus. And uh, well, we're gonna make some references to some kind of you know uh, classic boomer shit, but also know that what we took out of those social movements, what we achieved, was a certain amount of freedom and the ability to antagonize squares. And you know who the squares are? They're the authoritarians, i.e., the communists. Yeah, yeah. And, and it I, helps that there's no that there's no way for most Americans, Westerners, to conceive of personal expression outside of the market mm-hmm. so you can just say you can't buy shit you can't buy what you want and that does half the work because what else is there what else makes you you other than your consumption i patterns? think some of the most um like effective 1980s cold war propaganda was completely unmoored from um from geopolitics. Well, that's why that's why John Hughes yeah. is such a good propagandist, and, this and is very Joseph bad. Zito yeah. and Jack Abramoff are such very incompetent bad. fucking hacks. Yeah, is because like they, they they don't understand that like if you're if, if like you're when you're writing a screenplay and filming it, like if if you front load all that shit, it's like it's so obvious and ham fisted, it doesn't work. Yeah. Whereas like you bring up Ferris Bueller, to me, like the scene in that movie that like sums up everything about like the the, the Reagan turn in the eighties as a kind of like. A moment of individual liberation for like the capitalist forces is the scene where Ferris Bueller takes over an entire parade yes. in the city of Chicago yes. and makes Me. a city of people a city of people dance for his amusement. <laughs> what was like, it? Twist it. and shout yep. like, to that yeah. boomer like yep. Again, movie yeah. that his parent like the music that his parents yeah. probably fucks to. Yeah. You know, and it's like a whole city, the whole city of Chicago is dancing and cheering for this this juvenile delinquent. This little pisser. This little, this little this asshole. Pisser. No, the, the true hero of Ferris Bueller's Day Off is, of course, the principal, Absolutely. played by actual pedophile Jeffrey yes. Jones, yes, <laughs> who's just simply wants this spoiled rich kid. Yeah, just hey, simply... face some fucking consequences. How about <laughs> yeah. that? How about some consequences shit. for your fucking action? Who just bullies his depressed friend yeah. and yes. fucking enabling yeah. him? Yes, 
exactly. And then like, drives his friend to a suicide attempt. Yes. Just because he sees his friend as like his sort of... Uh, I uh, need the car. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. They're all I instrumental. Our relationships are totally instrumental. Like, I like you, yeah. but at the degree to which you, you do something for me. That's it. No, but like, yeah, Ferris Bueller was a... a it's so effective because it's not obvious at all. And it's, I'm sure, I don't think even John Hughes is writing it as like, oh, yeah. the, the, I'm, I'm going to show like what, the, the Ameri- what American freedom stands for. But what he does is create a document that like I think perfectly captures the, the, our vision of like freedom in yeah. that era and what, yes. like, what we were fighting for. Yeah. Which, like I said, is to be a rich little snot who can flout authority at will and just essentially do what you want all the time. And now everybody's Ferris Bueller. Get away with everything. Get away with all of it. Get away with everything. Everyone's Ferris Bueller and everything is great. I think we could agree. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like all, all those John Hughes movies is that like he was in his own sly way making it hip to be square again yeah yeah you know like that that mm-hmm. kind of like midwestern suburban vision of america is like the, the protagonist of all of those john hughes movies if you project in your head what happens to them after the movie they all become like ted cruz yeah, yeah. Tom Con. they all become they all yeah. run for office and i was like the republican senator from indiana or whatever yeah, yeah. no it's, it's 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 really freakish when you go back and watch those because it's like this person is awful <laughs> His sister is right. Yes. No, the sister's right. Rooney is correct. Yeah. Steril- sterilize and imprisons Ferris his, Bueller. His parents are negligent to the point where they are raising a sociopath. Yes. So, yes. Um, you know, like, as long as we're talking about this, the, um, I, like, coming out of like, the late 80s, and what I think is interesting about this is, like you said, Matt, by the time this movie hit theaters, like, the cause that they were ostensibly supposed to be supporting was already basically defeated. They were late to the, yeah. they were late to the party. And then also Abramoff, in, in reading about the history of this movie, only decided to take a stab at Hollywood because he felt like all of his like, crackpot like, fascist right-wing lobbying efforts had crapped out because like the you know his f- good friend and like the guy he admired Oliver North had to end up going to prison ah, what the hell and like you know, Holly and he thought like you know by the second term of the Reagan administration they thought old Uncle Ronnie had sort of gone soft yeah and that that's true because when he's when he started uh, 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 yeah there was a sense of the, on the hard right of betrayal of the Reagan administration when they started negotiations again with Gorbachev they were very unhappy about that. and that and then also allowing the, the, like the the sort of anti-apartheid movement to gain such purchase yes. in America yeah, yeah. and become like a big like sort of cultural movement yeah. of like where everyone had to you know uh, be involved or like you know I'm, I won't play Sun City and stuff like yeah, that or, yeah, yeah. you know like yeah, economic one and cultural of, one of boycott. the actual only times by the way that artists saying anything about a political cause was useful because it actually like uh, one it did raise awareness but more importantly it says like th- this is the tactic that we're taking is an economic boycott shout and out, we can thank little steven for shout that. out little steven i was yeah. just about to say you know who broke that or tried to no he did it oh no 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 the, who tried to break the the cultural boycott Paul Simon. Oh, he yeah, did. yeah, no, he, he, did. Did. he did. He did. Yeah, yeah, Grace Grace Land, 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 yeah. And then the, and then the and reason then he's he like, gave oh, it is he yeah. said my good friend Henry Kissinger assured me it was okay. Yeah, yeah. Because Mandela is a communist. Yes, because Mandela is a communist. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, uh, and, and, he, also and, he, and he wrapped it up in like sweet uh, uh, international yeah. kind of bourgeois cosmopolitan liberalism. Where he's like, but look, it's Lady Smith, Lady Black Smith, Black Yeah, yeah. How can it be racist? Who are black? Yeah, I have black friends. Who's also very close friends with Paul Simon. Lorne Michaels. Yes. He wrote the song, I'm Going to Graceland. He made it this, his son in the song, but it was really a road trip him and Lorne Michaels took to Graceland. So him, Kissinger, Lorne Michaels. Oh, How deep does it go? What a group there. How deep does it go? Like I said, 
the strands of this anti-communist spider web it goes are, out yeah, in all they, directions. They, they connect in, in, in all of again, like it's all just projection of everything that they accuse, like international communism of yeah. attempting to do. Yeah, uh, no, they, they were, were actually, they were yeah, literally yeah. doing all of it. They themselves. were doing it, they were doing it way yeah. more effectively than the Soviets were. When when the Cuba went into Angola, it caught the Soviets by surprise. They had to like run in afterwards. There were and there were many fewer Soviet advisors than there were Cuban soldiers in Angola because it was was not a coordinated thing. The Soviets, mm-hmm. their big, their big, their big Cold War military adventure was Afghanistan, which was on their border. Mm-hmm. They did not have any real interest or even capacity to ex, uh, to were, project power yeah. the way we did. They were not in a in a good position by that point no. uh, economically. They, and, they, yeah, this, no, yeah, they were already and, circling the drain. And a lot of what they did do that was useful was literally just provide like subsidies to yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like Cuba yeah, had the, the Cuba, food subsidies yeah. and stuff. Um, which is why, again, most of the like horrible like starvation that they call the lean years or whatever happened after the fall after of the, the Soviet fall Union. Of Soviet Union. Yeah, and the, right. the, the, the and, embargo and was Korea, still on, yeah, yeah. so there's just like oh shit, like yeah. uh, this has yeah the special period in Cuba. I was yeah. gonna say like uh, coming out of the eighties. The the, the 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 both the the star and series of film that does most flout the right wing drift of all of the direction of like all of the most like the Stallone Schwarzenegger Chuck Norris era was Steven Seagal who from That's like for yeah. his stretch of the movies, environmentalist for like we're all yeah. very like comparatively left wing like his first movie above the law is about like the fucking like CIA like heroin running yep. in Vietnam and, yeah. like yeah. explicitly about like anti. Like I said, this Condor Network. Where like, it, like ended, yeah. it starts with a clip of Nixon. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's the first shot in Above the Law. And then like like even like by his later ones, like the last real one he got a chance to do, where he like by then Seagal was such a fucking monster and a psychopath that he had burned every fucking bridge in Hollywood. And like you know he he was his last push, like the last ounce of like any credibility he had with his agency or anything in Hollywood. Just to include the monologue at the end of On Deadly Ground, where he gives a speech mm-hmm. about the importance of environmentalism yeah. and fighting a back against oil companies who are like, you know, uh, or pillaging like uh, in, uh, indigenous lands from the Inuit peoples. I mean, ultimately, he does have uh, like the kind of chaotic uh, guru energy where yeah. it's like he is worried about um, global climate change. Also, Probably traffics women. Like it's one hundred percent. Not even probably. It's very. Yeah. It's very guru energy. Yeah. And now he's he wrote that book, The Shadow of the Wolf, which is just QAnon shit. Yeah. Pure QAnon shit. Um. And then again, hilariously, because I follow him on Instagram, Seagal has been like r- really like all in on like the like the George Floyd protests and stuff, and being like, I can't believe that these killer cops have dishonored themselves and their badges. <laughs> like we have to support these people. How could you call yourself a man? It's like, dude, you were doing a TV show with Joe Arpaio where you ran a tank yeah, over yeah. someone's house. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, what he had, the fuck? He was, my favorite thing is where he just, uh, he just talked about having, uh, what he called cop sense. Yeah. yeah. Which oh, was yeah. just racial profiling. I got, yes. got that cop sense. I see a guy and I just know. I don't know what it is. I just know it's this guy. He's going to be the problem. I can I don't tell, know. tell from a hundred yards away, this guy's oh, going to be the we problem. We should do an episode on the, uh, the reality show you did. We should. About, Let's uh, do that. Bauman. We should. It only had what? Continue. Two seasons. Our, they had to, they had to stop it. it because of the thing where he, like, he killed someone's dog yes, in the tank. Yes, he got sued. He was working with Sheriff Joe. Yeah. Um, doing these, like, yeah, these, we yeah. should uh, think, uh, continue yeah. and make a series of our Cold War propaganda stuff. And I want to do the post-Cold War Cold War propaganda 
Brett Sparrow. <laughs> mm, interesting. Because this is what happens when the Cold War is over, and they were like, God, that was such a good time for movies. Can we just do that again, completely, uh, completely detached from the actual political realities of our moment? Which worked a little bit because they were trying to revive the Cold War because of the Hillary stuff, but it was the most insane, convoluted thing in the world. But people are nostalgic for that. They're like, remember, remember when we had this great enemy? If, if, if it will take another sort of domestic Gladio Operation Condor to bring back, um, uh, actual um, a gun blanks being fired in movies, um, bullet squibs. See, that's the yeah. thing. Bullet this movie is dog shit. And gratuit- gratuitous nudity and bullet squibs. This movie is and dog shit. It's very poorly directed. The guy, like they missed significant shots. Like you have to piece a lot of it together. Like after you see it, because they didn't establish it. But when they shoot people, there's. P- puffs you get yeah. the flight the, the mist smoke. the mist also the kickback the was kickback like really the gun, intense the guns are really yeah, yeah. firing they're not pretending to fire them so that they can add a flash later in cgi and it's like we, it's already been talked about a lot about that there's no nudity in movies anymore there's also no fucking blood in movies there's anymore. no blood there's no sex and it's like god it's just that movie is dog shit but it's like i'm sorry those action scenes to me are better than at this point after three of them the, the just the the perfectly smooth engine of like a john wick thing where he just kills 50 guys and it's all cgi headshots just him like going to town with a big fake gun that has two different fucking magazines. It had a, it had a top loading like Lewis gun drum mag and then a big uh, bottom like a hor- uh, vertical magazine with two barrels and he's blowing guys arms off and they're flying. And it's like, give me some of this. They don't. They literally did not make them that literally, way. Literally, like this, and it was this movie. This movie was was so bad and it. It was still entertaining just because the melee scenes were yeah because amazing. they have gravity because that's really, fun the to cars watch. are really driving that they're is really fun crashing to watch. the bombs uh, are really going all off. the jeeps and tanks were really used to quell uprisings yeah. in Soweto yeah, yeah. they really <laughs> really really, yeah. Yeah. really killed Steve Biko yeah. yes. I mean in many ways it was a verite film yes yeah, no, it's a verite film in so many ways yeah like I said down to the inclusion of actual South African Defense Forces soldiers playing extras yeah. in this fucking movie it's like the reverse of like Lenny. Riefenstahl using actual uh, campers. Uh, <laughs> that's like that's that that, that and, and then and then of course claiming later that uh, she had no idea. Yeah. Well, there we go. Courtesy of the International Freedom Fund and the basically anti-communist League of Supervillains. It occurs to me though that some of our younger viewer listeners might not know who Jake Abram Jack Abramoff is and what happened to him later. No, he dated Lena Dunham. We already discussed it. <laughs> Jack Abramoff became a super lobbyist. Yeah. Uh, and his deal was, one of his big scams, it was essentially a scam like most lobbying is, because, yeah, like specific industry, like industries in general will, of course, get preferential treatment from government based on their, you know, market size and influence or whatever, but individual firms might not. And so that's where the lobbyist comes in. And, lo- and, and Jack Abramoff got in trouble during the Bush years. He was one of those Bush-era scandals that everyone who was on the blogs was following Mm-hmm. Casino Jack. Yeah, Casino Jack is that he would get Indian tribes to pay him to lobby on their behalf to uh, either uh, def- uh, defeat or allow to win different uh, like local efforts to legalize or criminalize gambling, yes. depending on what the tribes would want. And they just built these tribes for millions like they, and millions They would take money from one tribe yeah. to either support or 
uh, like try to stop another tribe from like getting getting gambling rights on yeah. on their lands or whatever, and then take money from the other tribe right. and just like yeah. it would take Yo, money Jimbo from shit. all sides, yes. yeah, and just like play them off against each other. Yeah. And then eventually, Jack Abramoff did go to jail because yes. of this. He was basically one of the only guys from the Bush era who went to jail as a result to any of this. But it was him, Ralph Reed, and Tom DeLay. Yes, were like the big triumvirate. Yeah, they of, had like, that Bush restaurant era. signature. Signature is the DC Steakhouse. Yes. There was another Jack Abramoff joint that was like, dude, if you really want to know how fucking disease the city washington dc was during the bush era the jack abramoff steakhouse called signatures was like the hottest it was spot the plot town. spot to it be was the place to be seen it was chasen's oh, in, the, in like 30s hollywood it's like it was, it's the hot it's the hottest ticket of town it was like sardis after the the tonys uh to, if we want to really wrap everything up perfectly you know they made a movie they made a theatrical film about jack abramoff called starring jack starring <laughs> Kevin Spacey. <laughs> That's right. Everything comes together. I think, we gotta, I think we gotta. Yeah. There we go. But I would say Kevin Spacey is part of a different spider web of. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I think if you. De- I think if you look close. You go down enough, deep enough. I think they are all connected. They are all connected. I think okay. they're all connected. I mean, the, the 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 personnel might change, you know, and the and the fronts and stuff. But like the the general the general uh, 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 interests align. I guess I would say. But yes, like the, yes. Uh, just in conclusion, uh, Red Scorpion. A film financed probably by the same people who assassinated Sweden's prime minister. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, probably starring some of the same people who are in on that op as well. At least yeah, they're extras you in the background. Prob- yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Craig Williamson. There he is. Holy shit. So there we go. Uh, uh, Red Scorpion, uh, again, and the, the, the global anti-communism spider web. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's effects still with us to this day. Oh, for, for sure. And we, we, are, we, are, we are untangling that web for you yeah. uh, here on the show. So uh, until next time, guys, bye-bye. Bye.